0: So, we're doing 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight, and this this is a very exciting passage because this is something that is specifically regarding, like, what do you do after you become a Christian? Obviously, once you become a Christian, you don't just get beamed up into heaven. God's got something for you to do here. We talked about one of those things a couple weeks ago. Who remembers what it was? If you're a Christian, what is God wanting you doing? What is it? Ministry. Ministry. Specifically, it does start with an M. Missionary. Missionary. That's right. If you're a Christian, God wants you sharing the gospel, but that's not the only thing. There's more. And before I start getting into the meat and potatoes of what that is, I want to ask you guys a question. If you had to give up one of your senses, like sight, hearing, taste, smell, touch, if you had to give up one of your five senses, which one would you want to give up and why? You'd want to taste, smell, sight, hearing, touch. I'm going to go with the main five. Smell. You'd want to give up smell. Why would you want to give up smell? So why smell? Because if something smells really bad, you don't have to smell it. Johnny, I heard hearing. Why would you want to give up hearing? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to listen to music. Okay, Charlie, what would you want to give up? But I mean completely gone. Like, completely gone. The sense is gone. Adelaide, I saw your hand first. What one? Hearing? because there are subtitles and you can still read. OK, Alex? Because if you lose smell, there's not many jobs you can get excluded from. OK, One more. Rachel, I saw your hand. Touch. Why touch? Okay. No textures would be great because you don't like textures. Interesting. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you a different question. We talked about which sense you would want to give up. If you could only have one of the five senses, which one would it be? You don't get any of the other ones, you only get this one. I just called on Rachel, so I'm going to do someone else. Ella. You would want to be able to see. If the only thing you could do was just one, you'd want to be able to see, okay? Caden? Which one? You'd want on to... Uh, you can still speak regardless of which one you got. Uh, Charlie? I would be... I would want to have you You'd want to be able to see. I feel that. I feel like that's one I would pick. Yeah. See. So I'm feeling C universally. Taylor? Hearing. Hearing. You would want to be blind but still be able to hear. Why? So, so still having the ability to like, hear people talk, listen to music, empathize with people... I feel that. So now here's the bigger question. Would any of you actually want to give up your senses? Yeah. So like we're talking about which one you would want, like least want to lose, but no one actually wants to give up any of them because all of them would perform an important function. Being able to smell, you can smell smoke for example. That's a convenient thing to be able to know if your house is burning down. If you're able to touch, do you guys, have you ever heard of leprosy? You guys know what leprosy is like your leprosy is like your body's like falling apart and stuff the reason your body falls apart is because you can't feel anymore like people rub their noses off because they can't feel that they're pushing too hard kind of thing and like being able to hear you can't hear music you can't talk to people as easily if you can't see you lose all kinds of function like and then taste who doesn't want to be able to taste chocolate cake right well it's harder at least but all of your senses perform an important function. So what would happen if like your ear got really irritated that it wasn't an eye and so it just stopped hearing? It was like, you know what? Unless I can see, I don't want to be able to hear anything. Would that be a bit of a bummer? Would that be like a normal kind of understandable thing? Yeah. Ears are not eyes. Ears are not eyes. True statement. So the reason that I'm asking you guys about this is because this is exactly what it's like in a church. In a church, you've got a ton of people, and every single person is unique. And every single person has a specific job that God wants them to do in the church and specific abilities that he has given them to do that job. And those abilities are called spiritual gifts. And we're going to be reading about that tonight. So I'm going to get right on into it, and we're going to start reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the first thing that you need to know about spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts are different. Spiritual gifts are different. So I'm going to read, starting in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led... Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, disclaimer, when he says no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, there are plenty of false Christians that say, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, but he's saying no one can say that and mean it because he just categorized the entire world into two people, into two groups people who say Jesus is accursed and people who say Jesus is Lord, not just with their mouths, but with their lives. These are Christians and non-Christians. And we learned about this back in Ephesians when we were learning about spiritual gifts, but spiritual gifts are something that are given to you when you become a Christian. So if you're not a Christian, you don't have spiritual gifts because you don't have the spirit giving you those gifts. Does that make sense? So spiritual gifts start with being a Christian. Moving on, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in all and everyone. Which, by the way, he just mentioned the Trinity. The same spirit, the same Lord, that's Jesus. The same God, that's the Father. So all of us as Christians are serving the same God, but we're doing it in different ways. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ for in one spirit, all were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. So, the thing to think about here is like, I'm not gonna get into this specific list of those gifts and the discussion of like, which ones are active today, which ones aren't, what specifically is each one. The point of this section aren't the gifts themselves. The point of this section is that the gifts are different. Everyone has a different role that they're supposed to play. Who in here plays sports? I see a bunch of you guys. Charlie, what sport do you play? What is it? Hockey. hockey. And what is your position in hockey? I play forward. You play forward. So my question for you, are you as good at every position as you are at forward? No. no, you're not. So what would happen if you were to play a game of hockey and every single person was just a copy of Charlie and you were playing like all of the positions. Would your team be as good as it is right now? No, it wouldn't. I see you vigorously shaking your head. Caitlin, what sport do you play? Volleyball. Volleyball. And what's your position? Libero. Libero. Yeah, you're libero. So. Libero. That's like the defender person where you can't set, you can't spike, but you can defend. You can set, but you can't. You can't. You can set, but you (laughs) can't. So you're a defensive player. Are you as good at a setter as you are at uh, libero? Libero. 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 Are you as good at setting as you are being a libero? Um, I like like to think so, yes. I like to think so. Okay. Are you good at every position as you are at that one? No. No. So what would happen if the entire team was just like seven Caitlyns running around the court? We'd still win. We'd still win. Would it be as good? <laughs> like your team against a team of six Caitlins? Probably not, right? So it's exactly the same thing in the church. Not every person has the same spiritual gifts. Not every person is going to be doing the same things, right? For example, if you were like, if you had to pick in the church, what is the flashiest "quote unquote" position? Which one would it be? The pastor. the pastor. The pastor. I hear the pastor. Everyone's saying the pastor. Everyone like wants to be the pastor, right? Let me ask you this: What would happen if every single person in the church were a pastor? What was it? That would be difficult. It would be a bit weird. Like, could you imagine a Sunday service where everyone comes in in the morning? Fail, because not everyone can do it. You need an audience. If there's a pastor and no congregation, there's a problem. So could you guys imagine a situation where, like, everyone shows up to church on Sunday morning, and then every single person just, like, gets in a big circle around the church, and all of them preach a 40-minute sermon that they prepared that week? Just at the same time, they're all preaching. Would anyone be able to benefit from anyone else's sermon? No, right? There's only one person that's able to actually stand up and preach on any given Sunday morning. That's just the reality of it, right? In the same way, like, everyone has a specific role that they're supposed to play, and if everyone tries to play the same role, things don't work. But it's not just that every spiritual gift is different. Like, some people, they'll think, okay... Well, the pastor, quote, they've got the most, quote, important role. The pastor is the one who's up there. He's the one who's preaching to the entire church. He's the one that's got the most glamorous position. Everyone should want to be the pastor, right? And we can kind of have this idea that that's the important position and everything else is, quote, less important. And that's wrong too. It's not just that spiritual gifts are different. It's that spiritual gifts are important. In fact, Every spiritual gift is vital. Every spiritual gift is super important. Because if you just keep reading in verses 14 to 24, Paul says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, I was literally talking about this in the very beginning. I was like, what if your ear said, I'm not an eye, so I don't matter, and just stopped working, right? There'd be a bit of a problem. But the thing that you, yes? What if it was just one ear? What if it was just one ear? What if both of your ears decided to stop working then? Then you get hearing aids. Then you get hearing aids, but I'm talking completely. But I'm just saying it'd be ridiculous for one part of the body to get angry that it's not another part of the body. It's not possible. But how often do people in the church try to do that? How often do you have people who look at the pastor and they say, if I'm not the pastor, I'm not showing up or they look at any nun in any nun, anyone in the body of Christ and tries to be something that they're not. Right? Like let's think about football. Like this kind of, this passage is interesting is interesting because called Paul kind of gives all the examples. Like it kind of teaches itself, but imagine a football team. What's the most glamorous part of a football team? quarterback qb i heard it immediately what would happen if everyone on the team was a quarterback it'd be a problem you have no center to set for the quarterback you'd have no linemen to block for the quarterback you wouldn't have a defensive section at all you wouldn't have a team exactly they would all be quarterbacks yeah you'd have like the i don't know how many people are on the field at once 13 you'd have like 13 quarterbacks lined up all getting tackled they'd have to throw at each other yeah So the thing that you need to think about is like, what is my specific thing to contribute? Because not everyone's a pastor, right? Not everyone has those gifts, but everyone has specific ways that they're able to serve. And you should be thinking about what is my specific function? Because let me ask you this. If you find someone and they gouge out their eyes, if the eyes decide to stop working, can that person see? No. Right? If you like rip out an eye, they don't just grow another eye. Your ear doesn't like move over to the front of the face and start seeing for you. If you cut off someone's nose and you like drill it out, you know, your finger is not going to kind of like crawl up your body, put itself in the middle of your face and start smelling. Right? So the thing that I want you to think about is that your job is important, which means that if you don't do it, is it getting done? So, I'm going to say that again. If you aren't doing the specific job that God has given to you, is it getting done? No. No. You have a very specific cocktail of gifts that God has given you, very specific capabilities. Like, for example, I've got the gift of teaching. That's why I'm here doing it, right? There are other people that have the gift of what we call helps. They have the gift of leadership. They have the gift of hospitality. You have specific ways that you are able to minister to people. There are people with the gift of evangelism where they're able to walk out on a street, share their testimony and 50 people get saved. I haven't had that kind of success. There are some people that God grants them the ability to have that kind of success. People like Billy Graham, right? But is Billy Graham, was he like, the main pastor of a church? Was he a John MacArthur? Was he a John Piper? Was he a Francis Chan? They're, uh, they're just famous pastors. But like, the thing that you need to think about is that you have specific functions that you can fulfill and that no one else can. For example, going back to the missionary message, what's the job that pastors have a harder time doing? Do you remember? Okay, audience member, but there was a specific one that we talked about. I'm going to give you a hint. It was in our missionary message. What's the thing that's difficult for pastors to do? What was it? Uh, not, so they have a harder time evangelizing. Because how many people that are non-Christians does the pastor like regularly interact with? Not many. Very few. Because like if you have a normal job in a secular environment like me... I work at a Starbucks. I interact with a whole bunch of non-Christians during any given day, any given week. But the pastor of Foothills, he works 40 hours a week at a church and then he preaches on the weekends and then he spends time hanging out with Christians in his free time. Like, it's not so much that they don't have the responsibility to share the gospel. It's just that they've got less non-Christians that they're in relationship with. Does that make sense? So if you've got the gift of evangelism and you don't do it, is the pastor going to step in for you? Are they going to do your job for you? And you have to think in those terms. Like, what are the unique opportunities that God's given you that he hasn't given other people? Does that make sense? And one more thing to think about is, like, who remembers the parable of the talents? Who knows what I'm talking about? So the parable of the talents is that there's a man, and he has three servants. And he gives one servant five talents, which we'll just say is a million dollars. He gives one servant a million dollars. And he says, Do business while I'm away. He gives another servant $2 million. And he gives one other servant $1 million. And then he leaves and goes to Europe or something. And then two years later, he comes back. And the servant that he gave $5 million, he says, I did business. I made a profit. I made $5 million more. Here's $10 million. And the guy says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful with a little, I will give you much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then he goes to the second servant and he says, what you got for me? And the second servant says, I did business. I profited $2 million. Here's back $4 million. I've doubled your money. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little. You will be given much. Enter into the joy of your master. But then he comes to the last guy and he says, servant, what do you got for me? And the guy says, I know you're a hard man reaping where you do not. sow. and, I just was scared and I took your million dollars and I put it in my mattress. Here's your million dollars back. And the master says, you lazy servant, you could have at least put it in the bank where I would have gotten interest. And the thing that's important to think about with that parable is that this is what it's talking about. It's talking about the things that God gives you to be responsible and faithful with. And did the servant with $2 million get judged that he didn't make $5 million more? No. no. But the other servant made $5 million. But how much was that servant given? $5, million. Five million. That's right. And God doesn't expect you to be faithful with what he gives to someone else. God expects you to be faithful with what he gives to you. Does that make sense? So when you're functioning in a church, you should be thinking about what are my specific opportunities to serve? What are the things that I can be doing? You shouldn't be looking at other people in the church who are using their gifts effectively. You shouldn't be jealous of the pastor who gets to preach every Sunday. You shouldn't be jealous of the leadership of develop, like the leader of discipleship who gets to like plan the life groups or do any of that. You shouldn't get jealous about the other people in the church because you're not getting judged for how you use their gifts You're getting judged for how you use your own. So the last thing is that spiritual gifts have a purpose. Spiritual gifts are for service. And this is verses 25 to 30. And it says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helping, then administrating, then various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And what he's saying though is, is like he's assuming the answer is no. Not everyone can prophesy. Not everyone is able to speak in tongues. Not everyone is able to do miracles. Not everyone's the pastor. Not everyone's the administrator, right? But the thing that he says earlier where he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Charlie, did you hurt your toe this week? How'd you hurt it? I didn't really hurt it. It's an Ingrown toenail. Ooh, that is a bummer. <laughs> A buddy of mine had an ingrown toenail in high school and it was, uh, it was a bummer to deal with. So I'm sorry you're going through that. But here's my question. Is your hand like happy that your toe's hurting? No. Right? Does your hand like not notice that your toe is hurting? Is your head like really glad that your toe's hurting because your toe like insulted your head at some point? No. All of this sounds ridiculous, right? Unless your toe like randomly hits your head. But think about this, when the toe is hurting, when there's a single part of your body that's hurting, you, the person, suffer. Does that make sense? It's the exact same way in the church. And as a Christian, you're supposed to be functioning in a church, you're supposed to be functioning with other people, because you have a significant set of skills that you're contributing, but also when you are suffering as a Christian, the entire church is suffering, because you're a part of it. And the same way that if I chop off my hand, the rest of my body is going to notice, when there's a church without a Christian, with a Christian who's not functioning in it, the entire church feels the effects. If your heart's not beating properly, it hurts the entire body, right? What happens if your heart just stops? You die. And there are consequences just like that when there are Christians in the church who aren't using their gifts. Yes? Well, you die first. So here's the thing that I want you guys thinking about. I want you guys actively thinking about what are the things that I can do? We talked in our uh, message on singleness where if you're single, you've got more time to serve, right? And all of you guys, it might not feel like this, but junior high and high school is kind of your service prime. It's the time period in your life where you have more time than you're ever going to have again. And sometimes that's kind of hard to think about because you're like, man, I've got so much homework, I've got so much schoolwork, but then it's like, you know, add a job and kids to that. And kind of as you live and as you grow, adult life naturally ends up taking up more of your time. And when you're in junior high and high school, there's a lot more that you guys are able to do than the typical person. Does that make sense? So I want you guys thinking like, what are my specific gifts? What are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that I can contribute? Where are the places where I have an opportunity to contribute? What are the things that I can do? And I want you trying to actually do them because you don't start being useful when you turn 25, you know, service isn't reserved for people with a driver's license. You're able to serve now and you should be serving now. And that doesn't necessarily look like standing up on Sunday morning to preach, right? So I want you guys thinking about that because if you're a Christian, God has given you a unique set of gifts to serve him and his church. The specific gifts that he gives you are important. If you don't use them, someone else isn't going to come in and live your life for you and make up for you not doing your job. You have an important function and your important function is to serve others. Your gift isn't just so that you can feel better about yourself. The pastor doesn't spend 40 hours a week preparing a sermon and then preach to a mirror. He preaches to a congregation. What is it? (laughs) You got to (laughs) practice. Well, he eventually, even if he's practicing, he's eventually preaching to the uh, entire congregation, right? A sermon preached just to yourself isn't worth anything. And your gift, whatever it is, is meant to serve the church and is meant to serve God. So think about that. So let's bow our heads. We'll pray and we'll have time for small groups. Lord, thank you that you don't just save us and then beam us up to heaven. Thank you that you instead give us an important function to serve here, that you have a job for us in the world at large, but you also have a job for us in the church. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to function and to serve and to earn a reward, that there's actually a genuine benefit to us and also to each other when we serve. I pray that you would give each of us a desire to serve you, that you would give each of us a recognition of what our gifts and opportunities are and that you would help us to pursue those. Help us to see the opportunities that you give us and to see them not as a drudgery that we have to do because we have to, but instead we would see them as an opportunity as, an, as and as a privilege. That we would be eager to serve you in whatever capacity you have for us and that you would help us to actually figure out what that is and pursue it. And we pray these things in the name of our King Jesus Christ, the head of our body. Amen.